The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And he said, oh, uh, I don't accept that. I accept that you are the offspring of Abraham. But then he said, you are of your father, the devil. That's a nice way to introduce him. <laughs> you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of the father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. They were gonna murder him. And abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. He's a liar. He was a liar and the father of it. So how do, what does the devil do to us? What is it? Well, the devil actually hinders us. He keeps us back. He hinders us. That, we're given that in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 describes to us how the devil is our hinderer. When it says, wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. He hinders us. Now, the word devil is interesting because the word devil is actually made up of two Greek words, it's the diabolos, diabolos. When you put them together, it means the slanderer. That's what it means. That's what the devil means. It means the slanderer. Dia means by means of, and, and actually balos is, is kind of like a ball. It's like something that's thrown at you. It's thrown out like a slander. It's thrown out. The devil, devil means slanderer. Now, this is the first picture that we see of the devil in the Bible. We see him slandering. Who's he slandering? He slanders God. It says in Genesis 3, 1 through 5, this whole discourse here that he has with Eve is very interesting. In Genesis 3, 3, 1, where it says, the devil was more, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the, the, he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So he, 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 he puts himself like, he's, he, like, he, like, he, like he needs instruction. So he comes to Eve and he says, well, tell me, did, did God really say that? You're not supposed to eat of every tree of the garden? And, and, and the woman said unto the serpent, by the way, that's the first problem, <laughs> that she engaged in a conversation because it wasn't long before, she, before he had her totally confused. But anyway, here's the way the conversation went. The woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Well, I don't remember God saying you shouldn't touch it, but she shouldn't touch it. But anyway, she adds that, okay. And then the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. So it's a bold lie. There it is right from the start. He is a liar. And that's the first picture that we see of him, the bold-faced lie. You shall not surely die. It was a lie. But then he goes on to say, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. You'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. So what's he doing here? What's Satan doing here? He's saying, no, 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 no. God is not, God is not trying to protect you God is trying to harm you. He's trying to restrict you from something that's really good. That's the first picture we have of the devil in the Bible. We see here the devil slandering God before men. Then we see another picture of the devil in Job 1.9, Job 1.9, where it says here that Satan is now talking to God. Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear thee for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. His substance is increased in the land, but pour forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he'll curse thee to thy face, which was actually the advice of his wife. But okay, there's other problems too. All right, curse thee to thy face. So this is the devil again. This is Satan. By the way, Satan, the word Satan means adversary means someone who is against us. So here we see Satan, and he's talking to God, and he says, and again, he says, he says to God, God says, if you consider my servant Job is just no, no, like him in the world, he really hates evil, what a, what, 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 what a servant I've got there, you see him? And the devil says, no, 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 no. No, let's get this straight, God. Job doesn't love God. Job's love of God is about as thick as, as what Job has. The only reason Job loves God is because God has given Job a great family. God has given Job possessions. Take it away, and you'll see. He'll curse you to the face. And, and this is what Christian was bringing up a little bit earlier, that if everything was perfect, but God allows the non-perfect to try us. But actually, this is the question that the Lord Jesus raised to Peter when he said these words, when he brought him up on the shore, had, a, had, some, had some great fish cooking there, and, and he was hungry, and he was eating the fish, and I can relate, that sounds really good. But anyway, and then the Lord said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these fish? And now, that's quite a question. Lovest thou me more than these? It, it, and, and that is a question which is put to each one of us, and that's why we go through what we go through. That's why you and I suffer the loss of loved ones, so that we can answer that question, do you love me more than that person? That's why you and I suffer the loss of health, because the question comes, do you lovest thou me more than your health? And you have to prove it. That's why you and I suffer the loss of possessions. That's why you and I suffer the loss of good plans for the future because the devil is slandering us to God just like he slandered Job. The devil is constantly saying to God about us, he only loves you because you've given him loved ones, good health, possessions, a great future, you name it. Take him away and you'll see that he will curse you to his face, to your face. That's the devil. 
That's a slanderer. He slanders, he slanders by accusing man to God. The devil slanders God to man as he did with Eve. The devil slanders man to God as he did with Job. That's what he said. That's why he's called the devil. He's the slanderer. And he's always looking. He's always on the hunt. He's always on the search for who he can devour. It says in 1 Peter 5 8, 1 Peter 5 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your Satan, the devil, the slanderer, let's just plug in the meaning of the words. Be sober, be vigilant, because your, ad, your Satan, the slanderer, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Um, <clears throat> when it says the devil is walking about, that means the devil is in a constant state of restlessness, which the Lord described in, in Matthew 12, 43. Matthew 12, 43, when the Lord said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. That's the devil. He's always looking for an opportunity to do his destructive work. I remember this is what so impressed me when we were on a safari in the Serengeti in, in uh, Tanzania. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and John and several of us here. And, 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 and you think, oh, this is gonna be wonderful. We're gonna go down there and we'll see all these beautiful animals. It's a very tense place. Everything is, all these animals are on their guard for what's gonna eat them, what's gonna attack them. They're constantly, and there's all this kind of thing. It's a very, very violent place, but you know, that's the way it is. But that's a picture of what it says about the devil as a roaring lion walketh about in this state of uneasing, constantly looking. That's why the hymn is so important. It says, my soul be on thy guard, 10,000 foes arise. Now, the devil's always looking for his opportunity. For some, the devil brings a health problem, like the woman with the secure, with, 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 this, with this chronic fatigue syndrome that just went on and on for 18 years. And it says in Luke 18, 16, where the Lord said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bondage on the Sabbath day? For others, it's a, it's a, it's a chronic, continual, painful condition, as it was for the apostle Paul, Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul said, I've got a danger, I've got a temptation. I can become really exalted. But he said, lest I should be exalted above measure, through the, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. When you read that, it says a thorn in the flesh. You may be thinking, well, that's like a little thorn on a rose bush, right? That's not what the Greek says. The Greek is saying like a stake, like a jab, like a knife. That's what it was like, what he had. The devil sets traps. He sets traps. 2 Timothy 2.26, 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And then the devil does what the Bible says, turns outside. He turns aside Someone is following the Lord Jesus, all of a sudden he turns aside. That's what it says in, in, in 1 Timothy 5.15. 1 Timothy 5.15, some are already turned aside after Satan. For others, the devil casts into prison. He casts them into prison in Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10, the Lord Jesus said, fear none of these things. Fear none of these things which also suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. For others, the devil causes some to lie like he did with Ananias and Sapphira and where Paul had to say to him in Acts 5.3, Acts 5.3, sorry, Peter, Peter said to him in Acts 5.3, Peter said, Ananias, 
Why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? For others it might be who might who might believe the Bible, who when they get they hear the word, they might believe the Bible, they might be saved. What happens? The devil snatches the word of God right out of their heart and causes them to, to not give the Bible a second thought. No, no, no. In Luke 8, 12, Luke 8, 12, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So you just substitute, as I mentioned here, you substitute the root meaning of the devil, and he is the devil, the, the slanderer, who's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now our verse, our verse here in Revelation 12.10, Revelation 12.10 says that the devil just didn't accuse in the past tense once, but in the present tense he's constantly accusing, constantly accusing. He doesn't just accuse once and go away, but he's always about this, and we give him ground. We give him ground to accuse because we sin. By, by the way, this, this raises an issue when we talk about this of something, why it's so important to keep short accounts with God. It's so important to keep short accounts with God. What is an account with God? A sinful thought. A sinful thought is an account with God. The thought of foolishness is sin, the Bible says. How do we keep a short account with God? That immediately when that sinful thought comes into our mind, right away we confess it and forsake it. We confess and forsake it. Why? Because the Bible says, whosoever confess, confesseth and forsaketh sin, forsaketh iniquity shall find mercy. So that's what it means to keep a short account with God. As soon as the sinful thought comes into our mind, don't worry for the action, just deal with the sinful thought, immediately confess it. So Satan accuses us, we give him grounds, and this sets up what's called in Revelation 12, 7, Revelation 12, 7, war in heaven, war in heaven. There was war in heaven. There's war in heaven, there's war on earth. And if you say to yourself, well, you know, war in heaven, war on earth, you know what? I, I, I'd rather not be involved with this war, if you don't mind, thank you very much. I mean, uh, I'll just have lunch instead. I mean, let all those other hardcore Christians be in the holy war, but you know, I'm a conscientious objector to war. Uh, I'm really not into fighting this type of thing. It's just not for me. So, it, it, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, especially I'd say, you know, and, and I'm Jewish, and really, apart from Steven Seagal, Jews don't do war. So, those who take that position, you know, in the Bible, Ecclesiastes eight eight has something to say. Ecclesiastes eight eight says, "There's no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he a power in the day of death. And there's no discharge in that war." There's no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. There's no discharge in that war. There's no honorable or dishonorable discharge in that war. We can't opt out of that war with the devil. Like it or not, the devil is waging a war against all men, and it means that like it or not, we're in a holy war. We are in a holy war with the devil, and the Bible does not say some of you may wrestle with powers that are not flesh and blood. It doesn't say that. It says in Ephesians 6.12, Ephesians 6.12, we, all of us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what we can't see. There are principalities. There are powers. There are what are called the rulers of the darkness of this world. There are spiritual wickednesses in high places, and we wrestle with them. We wrestle with them. Now, we all have to wrestle, but we all don't overcome. We all don't undercome, overcome, sadly. We're all soldiers. 
We follow our captain. The Lord is our captain. It says in, in Exodus 15.3, Exodus 15.3, God steps up and says, I'm into it. I'm up for the fight. I'm up for the war. In Exodus 15.3, God says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. We are all soldiers in that war, just like the child song that goes. It says, you know, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot in the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. We all have to fight. And to retreat from that war is to be overcome, to be overcome. You know, during, it was interesting, during the one of the wars between the British and the French, the British and the French were always fighting wars. It's amazing they're not fighting wars now, but they have a long history. Anyway, and, and during one of their wars, the French had captured a young British drummer boy. And the French then commanded the drummer boy, okay, use your drums now to sound the retreat so the British would retreat. And the little drummer boy told the French, I don't know, I don't know how to sound a retreat. The British don't retreat. And there's no retreat for us either in the war because from all the strategies and all the methods that the devil has, and he has them, and we've been seeing some of them. It sounds very discouraging. It sounds very discouraging. And the great question is, how in the world are we gonna overcome Satan, who's constantly accusing us? And that all-important question is, is answered in our verse here. We are going to overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb. They overcame, in verse 12, they overcame. This is the title that is so often given to Satan's, and it's a wonderful title, Overcomers. In 1 John 5, 4, 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, even our faith. Like the great hymn says, faith is the victory, and the refrain goes on, faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? 1 John 5, 1 John 5, 5. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That is, that, that is the searching question. Who is he that overcomes? Who is he that overcomes? The one who believes that Jesus is, whenever it says the Son of God, just reverse the words, that believes that he is God the Son, that he is God the Son. Who is the person who's built his life on the divinity of the Lord Jesus? He's the overcomer. He's the overcomer. That's why God said in Revelation 2.7, Revelation 2.7, he that hath in here, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That's a message for all the churches that the Lord Jesus gave in the book of Revelation and it was he that overcometh, he that overcometh. Not that is overcome, but he that overcometh, the one who, who rises up over. Uh, a friend who, who um, was on drugs and all of a sudden showed up on a motorcycle and reunited with a, with a, with a, a friend of mine who was, who was his old drug buddy and is now saved. And, and uh, this fellow ended up down at the Mission Valley Community Chapel. He prayed the sinner's prayer and then he disappeared. He disappeared. Well, about three days ago, he was found, and he looked terrible. He wouldn't even come over back on drugs again. Who gets to eat of the tree of life? It's the person who, who overcomes, who overcomes. As it says in Revelation 2.11, Revelation 2.11, he that hath a hear in ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. 
shall not be heard of the second death. It's all about overcoming, overcoming. As it says in Revelation 2.17, Revelation 2.17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying he that receives it. To overcome it is to receive the secret food, the secret food. What's the secret food? It says in Psalm 81.16, Psalm 81.16, he should fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Who's ever seen that before? Who's ever seen, a, okay, water out of the rock. Yes, no one's ever seen that either, but that's what happened in the wilderness. But honey out of the rock, sounds nice. Okay, what's the probability of finding honey in a rock? What's the probability of finding food for the soul in this book, in this book? but that's honey, that's like honey out of the rock. That's why this song is so great. Oh my brother, do you know the Savior who is wondrous, kind, and true? He's the rock of your salvation. There's honey in the rock for you. Oh, there's honey in the rock for you. There's honey in the rock for you. Leave your sins for the blood to cover. There's honey in the rock for you. If you know the Savior, if you know the Savior. And so the Lord is always speaking about this, overcoming over and over and over again. And what it boils down to is that, is, that, is that the Lord is saying, if you overcome, if you overcome, if you overcome Satan, great things open up. You'll be a pillar in the house of God. And then he has another great promise in Revelation 3, 5, Revelation 3, 5, when he says, uh, he says, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before the Father and before the angels. Wow. To not be cut off, but then to have the Savior say, can you imagine having the Savior say, Father, I'd like to introduce you to Sam. Sam here stood up in his high school classroom. He confessed that I was God. Father, I'd like to introduce you to Natasha. Natasha, I just made up her name. But Natasha, a 12-year-old in Russia, you know what happened with this 12-year-old in Russia. I don't know if her name was Natasha, but anyway. She was in this class, and during the communist time, still the communist time, but anyway, during this time, the professor was standing up there, and he had a Bible in his hand, and he was saying, now, I want everybody to know that I have read this book, and it is a book of fairy tales and myths. There's no truth in this book. And he was going on and on attacking the Bible like that. And then he said, to the, see, he said to the class, he said, is there anybody in this class that still believes that this book is true? And this little 12-year-old girl raises her hand. And, and he says, okay, I'm gonna make an example of her. He says, come up here. He says, and, and so the little 12-year-old girl comes up there and he starts berating. He says, now look, I'm the professor and I'm telling you I've read this book and there's myths in it and it's not true and it's fairy tales and, and anybody who believes it is a fool because there's nothing true in this Bible. Now what do you gotta say about that? And the little girl said, well that's what you get for reading someone else's mail. Father, I would like to introduce you to Natasha. She stood up in the class and told the professor that the Bible was true and that he, because he didn't believe it was true, he was reading someone else's mail. What a wonderful thing. 
to have that kind of a confession before the Lord. Father, let me introduce you to Caitlin. She is a student who went out on Israel Restoration Summer Blitz to reach the Jewish people, and she was mistreated, and she was glared at, and she was told to leave, and she just smiled and told the Jewish people that I love them. That's gonna be wonderful. That's wonderful. I mean, to, to have that. Now, and so the question is, who will the Lord brag about? The overcomer. He's gonna brag about the overcomer. Him that overcometh. Him that overcometh, I'll make a pillar in, in the temple of my God, he said in Revelation 3.12. Revelation 3.12. That's a wonderful promise, wonderful promise. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. <laughs> 